this is a very this is chill this is very chilled out recording um yeah have we started we have now started we have commenced it's so it's such a chilled out recording that we haven't even bothered all arriving tom is so chilled out the slave he's driver just, he's yeah he's, yeah the well, that, yeah normally tom is there cracking the whip oh, of and instead he is. And instead, today, he, Sophie is cracking his whip. Yeah. And that's not a euphemism. They're just busy. Hey, <laughs> no, Matron. no. We never actually never actually found out what, what Tom is doing No, right God, now. no. No. <laughs> but, he's, yeah. but, but he's not here. Just um, mysteriously said he couldn't do it. Yeah. Despite at once upon a time thinking yeah, he could. Oh, mate, do you think he's had an offer from another podcast? And this is his awkward little oh, segue. No. I'm do you busy. think Sophie is the one wanting to do a podcast? I think that's it. I think that's clearly it. David, you've cracked it. Yeah, <laughs> and at this point, at this point, Tom's decided to jump ship. <laughs> two episodes in, <laughs> with no real prospects of it going any bigger. This is it. This is where he, he wants saw to where be. it was headed. He That's saw the writing. Do you know the wall. what? Maybe writing is on the wall. Uh, hmm. And speaking of writing on the wall, well, this is going to be interesting. Speaking of writing on the wall, because Tom normally coordinates the reflex. So today <laughs> is is pure anarchy of the three of us. Yeah, I'm gonna um, I'm gonna do my best to uh, to hold court fort. Hold the fort. Because I, I flicked through the order old... Order in the fort. Order. <laughs> order. Put your bows down. What are you doing? <laughs> um, okay. So here we are. We're at Reflect. We're, what are we reflecting on, guys? We are reflecting on our biggest and baddest arc yet. Boldest. Our bondest. Our bondest arc. Our buddiest? No. Mm. No, but bondest <laughs> is good. Destiny Bond. Destiny Bond is the arc, uh, the Reflect for which you've joined us today, to which you've decided to spend your time and yeah. um it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting because it's a big it's arc. gonna be so it's interesting 12 episodes we are Do you actually... know i've i think we we as a quartet were recording this arc for about nine months it's our baby like yeah. <laughs> we, we birthed this wow. arc. Oh, oh. how mad is that we carried it to term <laughs> and here it is it's fruition. <laughs> uh 12 episodes and it is a big one and there's plenty to talk about. The only issue with this one is that due to scheduling issues, um, we are recording this before the final episode has actually come out. So yes, so not apologies. everyone has all the answers. We do, obviously, we know. Um, but that's fine, because I think we can cover any gaps there by just kind of asking, uh, asking questions of each other. And, you know, we know what happened, and we know what the interesting parts are, I hope, I hope. Yeah, so and we know just... exactly how Tom would have felt about every moment. So yeah, well, Brandy's barely in it, really, yeah. isn't she? Like, yeah. Yeah. she she falls she falls solidly into supporting character for Destiny Bond, <laughs> and and nails the role, nails it. Like, <laughs> don't get me wrong. Oh, I saw I sort of feel both Brandy and Kenny did. I'm not gonna lie, this is such oh, no, a. Kenny came to the fore towards the end. I think there was definite. Oh yeah, diff... we'll get there. We'll get there. Anyway, yeah. I think Brandy yeah, got a lovely prom. And what hey, more does Brandy really need? Prom True. episode actually got me. Listening back to that, I don't know who did the music. I think it was you, wasn't it, Ali? The, it was me. The, okay, found, found, instrumental found my, my way. way. <laughs> what a shout, though. Honestly, like I questioned it when it came on. I was like, is this is this Sinatra? What? what? <laughs> but then it just hit me. It hit me in the feels. It was just a good track. Good track choice. Um, yeah. Yeah. Don't don't tell anyone at Universal. Well, Athletes. do you know what? That was that is actually shout out to a friend of mine who who had that arrangement, and I I had I was on a cruise ship. This is a little peek behind the curtain. I was I editing this. that this on the cruise ship for, with with uh, with the guy who wrote wrote that music, and um, and I sort of went like, look, I, I I think this would really work. Do you mind? Do you mind if I put it in the podcast? And he said yes. And he said no. So, 
And then he said no. And I went, <laughs> you well, asked again. again. Too late. Again. I've sent it to the boys. Then you and, threw uh, him overboard. And like, well, no one will ever know. So I'll just yeah. take your hard drive. Great. Yeah, exactly. Good. It's been a while since we murdered somebody for this podcast. And it was missing. That's and I'm glad that That's we have had another one. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um, well, actually, Carrie asks, as, a, as an initial jumping off question, when are we going to have an Ooh. all musical episode of Cryptid? <sighs> when we actually meet in person again, we wouldn't have to try and sync it up oh over, uh, Sing- over four The syncopation oh. would be an absolute nightmare. I, oh, it, man. Can you imagine technically? How would that even work? Like, what, in, terms of, in terms of how, how Carrie's... Is Carrie envisaging us commissioning someone to, <laughs> to score an episode of Critical Ditto? I sort or is of this see a jukebox it. style. Yeah, I, I sort of see it improv musical style where we we have the four of us. We have one microphone because oh, otherwise yeah. it would be nice. too it would be too chaotic. Nice. And the four of us around it in some in some sort of ritual pose, just hold, <laughs> around a microphone like it's a lit fire. Yeah, our um, traditional recordings. Yeah, yeah, yeah of yeah, course, yeah. of course. And um, there is some sort of very talented pianist who is. At points, doing some sort of. I thought you were going to say gunpoint. <laughs> at gun, probably <laughs> realistically at gunpoint. Um, at point at, of gun. Yeah, and then we we work our magic in inverted commas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that's probably probably the best way, and uh, I say best, you know, with a with a heavy caveat of it being actually yeah. bad, but you know, in terms of how it would work for us. Um, yes. Maybe, maybe because we we have sort of muted the idea, haven't we, of like using all of the listener NPCs that we didn't have time to do on the podcast. Oh, maybe that's the oh, musical we episode. Like, we could do like Joseph's Technicolor Dreamcoat, but with NPCs that we haven't used yet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Instead of colours, it's a new NPC. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, we'll see. We'll see. Who knows? If we feel duly inspired, I've long thought that uh, a, a a musical episode of of Critical Ditto would be great um, because we have very talented people, and you know. A fair few of us enjoy musicals. Um, yeah, yeah. But logistically, that's another question. And that's something that we will have to get back to you on. I'd say I mean, save it for the live show. Just uh, live just show. Live. The live is a great that. show, I think David. that's the easiest way to record yeah. it. Also, really, if in doubt, it? just go back and listen to the Combi flat rap. Because that exists. On repeat. On repeat. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And mine and Stu's duet from one of, like the most recent episode. Oh, yeah, we did. Yeah, yeah, yeah we did. <laughs> Good that. Ken and bad Ken. <laughs> um, okay, what else we got? We've got plenty of people reacting to the idea that this is, you know, that upcoming is our, um, our final arc. Mm. And uh, a lot of people sort of asking what what what's next i mean i don't know if this is people sort of... including the people that running this yeah, podcast i don't know if this, that's an appropriate <laughs> time to to sort of discuss that but but enough people have asked it on the discord to be like hey what's going to happen after the campaign because we are approaching the end game um yeah. yeah i'll be honest and say i don't know i'll also be honest and say i don't think whatever whatever creative endeavor we all pursue in this zone um because I think it would be, I think it would be nice for us all to continue being creative together. Uh, we've, yeah. We have built a shorthand here. We've built a narrative um, camaraderie, so to speak. Yeah. Over a I, quick four years. Uh, a quick, speedy, zippy four years. Um, <laughs> that uh, I enjoy and would would want to keep going in some form. I think though that the idea of repeating a campaign too. Like a like, hey, we just go back to the start, and we've got new characters, and here we go again. See you in eight years. Like, I don't think, looking at how difficult it is to record at the moment, I don't think that's realistic. 
Yeah, and it's not a case of not wanting to. It's just the practicality of it. It's like, just as I lives. said, it took us it took us nine months to do the last arc, like, yeah. and that is not because we didn't want to. It's just because like we have we, we've grown up <laughs> doing this podcast. We and, have. Like, you've, you know, you've grown Stu up with has, us. So when we started this podcast, Stu had zero kids. <laughs> Stu's now got two of them, it's and really like <laughs> and we've all no, we're all wait. engaged and or married. And yeah, not doubled, mate. That you can't multiply zero by two, you um, still get zero. Two hundred percent is that two hundred percent? Okay, okay. Yeah. And and like life is obviously back to you know as back to normal as. Well, do you know what it was? I so think, I think we were we were so not lucky with the pandemic. Nobody was lucky with the pandemic. But in terms of where it fell for the podcast and us. I think it really helped us because obviously we were only doing person recordings previously and this was back in 2019 and even when we were footloose and fancy free you know either unmarried or unburdened by childhood um we we were we were struggling to get our schedules aligned I remember we were you know yeah. recording on a Saturday morning before I had two shows in incredibly hot rooms in Essex Road and kind of trying to cr just cram stuff in and it was working but I I, I don't know how long we could have kept that going had we stuck to that kind of schedule but the pandemic forced us to move into remote and it forced and because we had nothing else going on we were like bashing it out every week we got the entirety of season two and a lot of season three done during during the lockdowns um yeah. so yes that, in that way it's really really helped us but coming back into going into regular life and finding ourselves in various forms of employment or family life and that sort of thing i think the idea of us saying right yeah here we go Another four years, no, four more years, second term. Um, I don't know if we're going to be running for re-election. Um, so what does that mean? I don't know. Ideas that I've had have included doing things like short form campaign, like just, you know, running one shots and stuff like that. Uh, yeah. You know, sort of things like like the holiday specials, maybe um, doing three or five episode arcs that we release when when we do them, when they're ready, rather than being like, hey, this is a strict release schedule um or we try we try different things we try things like just doing a pure improv story over a lo like long form three episodes yeah. or we try some scripted stuff um yeah i don't think we will just stop no like entirely because for one thing i i really don't want to i love doing this with you guys and um and I've just it's a true, it's a true creative outlet, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it really yeah, is. Completely. And, um, and I think I th remember you saying this, Stu, off mic at what, when we hung out outside of the podcast. Ugh, weird. Um, where you were like, "This is a really good collaborative group, and it's a shame to lose mm. to mm. stop." Yeah. Um, and also, you know, we've we've got we've got patrons now. We've got like people that have essentially said we like what you guys are doing, and. I feel like they, we owe it to them and to everyone who's mm. listened to the show mm. to put a bit more, <laughs> yeah. more effort into keeping going love, in some form. I'd love to be releasing some stuff that doesn't have quite such a burden of proof on it. That, I don't know if that's the correct phrase, but it, it slightly frustrates me that, um, you know, we, we, we re, we're releasing episodes at the moment that I'm really proud of. A, a lot of Destiny Bond and season four in general, I'm, I'm really proud of the work that we've done the, the editing they've done the lovely editing that carrie's done as well in the last few episodes yes. thank you carrie yeah. shout out um you know i listen back and i'm like this is great stuff this is really good but to you can't tell someone to jump in at episode 79 of a puck of a, of a narrative podcast and yeah be like, just 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 go there 
Like, realistically, for our entire campaign, if you want the full experience, you have to go back to Rain Dance 1. And even though it's been lovingly remastered, again, thank you, Carrie, um, <laughs> it, it, as has Frenzy Plant now in its entirety, which is great, it is still a product of its time. It's a product of us not really, you know, having a clue about audio and chancing, chancing it around a kitchen table. And it's lovely and it's pure and, um, you know, holds all of that emotional and nostalgic value to us. But if I was a new listener, it, and you look yeah. and you go like, right, this is episode one, and I've got to get through 80 episodes to get to the new stuff, the meat. It's a big investment. It's a big commitment. And I'd love to start being able to put out stuff that I'm like, hey, you can just listen to this in isolation. If you're a brand new listener, you can just start right here. Yeah. And I remember you guys talking to me about uh, bef- years before we did Critical Ditto about Critical Role. Mm. and they were in there sort of in the, still in season one and i was like i'm sorry but i don't care how good it is i i can't listen to four that four hours worth 98 times mm. <laughs> like, no, i just no. can't do that no it's and it's, it wasn't until season two started that i actually you know yeah paid and them I, any attention. I, think, I think it's very interesting i think there's a certain there's a certain point in a lot of actual plays whether video or, or podcast or whatever where the, the buy-in becomes too big. And if you're not already invested, some some people will pick it up and, and give it a go because they they love actual plays and they know that if they do invest, usually you get a return on that somewhere emotionally. Um, but there is a point, I think, sort of 20 or so episodes in where people go like, that is a lot of audio that you are committing to. And yeah. I'm, so, I'm so glad that we have done... Well, we haven't done it. Let's not, let's not, count, our, um, let's not count our chickens, but... I'm so glad that we've committed to doing a long campaign and that we have this incredibly epic thing that we've created. Um, but, I, yeah. Does that does that all make sense? Does that track? I think it makes, yeah. I think it makes complete sense. And I think that the, the thing that we've realised, I mean, the, the thing that I think is, uh, is, is the hard thing that I don't think anyone can ever understand until you are in the dynamic of the four of us, mm. is having 50% of people on a different working schedule to the other 50%, mm. plus our own lives. It's a complete. Yeah. It, it truly is a complete mind muck, and nobody prepares you for it yeah. until you actually realise how little time that leaves you in a week. When all of your normal, silly, heteronormative concepts of a weekend, of an evening, are just thrown out. <laughs> but I think that you're right, Stu. Like being able to make stuff where we set the start and end of when it goes out, that we have the ability to make it on our own accord and put it out. But basically, treating Critical Ditto as like a, as a company rather than like as a company of creatives rather than as like a a thing where we have to produce something every two weeks and if we don't do it we all feel like shinks and mm-hmm. also we have to make sure we do it and also we have like months in between like major plot moments and also and also and also the ability yeah. to just kind of like do bits and bobs mm. which would be just as good yeah well i think as yeah. well this what we found we really love as well is is improv and creative freedom and it's interesting you get you get to the end of a campaign like this and you, I don't know if you were all feeling it as well, but you sort of feel like the all that's left are payoffs, and the the joy of kind of new creation and new discovery becomes less so the further you get along. Yeah, if that you makes almost sense. lead to you need to rather than create again, you need to tie bows on what you created. Yeah, exactly. In the past. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So it's it's a different experience and a different dynamic, and it would be so nice to go back to that pure creative freedom. That that those early days where we could just 
say, hey, guess what? We're, we're making up a church right now. Here we go. There's, you know. Um, which That's why I think, endings are so hard. Yeah, yeah, indeed. And don't worry, ours is going to be great. Because uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> Stu's mapped it all out, haven't you, Stu? You've thought of everything so far. Yeah, yeah, totally, yeah. totally. I think that brings us on to our next question, Ali, moving swiftly on, um, <laughs> which is interesting, actually. This is more tied to the arc itself from Brother Figgles uh, asks, um, and actually ties into what you said, Ali. When was it decided that Togekiss would be an antagonist? I think you can answer, you can take this one, Stu. Yeah, please, please answer, <laughs> Stu. We're all yeah. begging to know. Yeah. I think, I think, I think we do know. I think you said, but yeah, say I it think on so. mic. Um, yeah, Togekiss, Togekiss was a twist villain, and not not necessarily the strongest twist villain in that it wasn't <laughs> arguably wasn't at all telegraphed. Um, the point where it did become telegraphed for me was in um, the Theo, the Theo flashback episode where Togekiss kind of became the guide and I had made the decision that Togekiss was going to be schismed from Norman from the O and that was fine but that that didn't necessarily mean that Togekiss had to be an antagonist at all but I think there was something in Togekiss relaying this information to Theo uh, there was not a cruelty to it but it was quite stark the way that it was just revealed and that Togekiss was just presenting this to Theo um, as, as a good thing, as a healing thing, being like, hey, look at this traumatic stuff, and they're like, this is, this is good for you, this is healing. And it just got me thinking about what also became the sort of thematic core of the end of the arc, which is these this Pokepad element of having a Pokemon in your head and a human on the outside, and, and how does that dynamic work? How does the Pokemon feel about that? And I'm sure there are lots of different, lots of different Pokemon. I'm talking about as if this is real. Um, it's not real. <laughs> it's all made up in my head. But uh, I thought it'd be nice to examine what it, what it felt like for for Togekiss, who felt fully actualized by being separated, and how saw that as as, as being freeing, and showing showing Theo would would make Theo think that it was a freeing thing to. Um, to be unburdened and to, and to allow Meditite to come out and be their own, their own being. Um, but even then, I, it wasn't like, oh, well, uh, and therefore Togek is going to be the villain. It was just sort of like, hey, here's a different aside to explore, which comes in with the Andros story and the Golduck as well. And I was like, yeah, mm. that all ties in. That's great. Um, when Togek is truly became the antagonist would have been when Theo rolled a fail. When did you yeah. roll a You rolled a fail. Didn't you? It was, it was yeah, like mid Adri. the fight with Adri. Yeah. yeah. Towards the end of the fight with Adri. And David, go. No, I was going to say, it wasn't even during the fight with Adri. It was me trying to heal myself that was after it. the it was fight the with Adri. Dew. It was the life <laughs> Oh my God, it was. It was, it was the most throwaway role. <laughs> oh. But that's so yeah. good. That's why I love our system. But then I was like, okay, I love it. Yeah. what have we got here? We've got. I think I think in okay behind the curtain again I think the initial idea about the Norman's room was that there was going to be some kind of um like I don't know artifact of Norman or or some or like a, a version of Norman that was alive whether he was a like a prime or a hologram or like just there was like a, a heart that was beat like a part of Norman that was still alive somehow mm -hmm. and you were going to have to confront that and I think at one point I was thinking maybe there was like a life link where like Norman was alive 
and if you wanted to like remove Norman, that would maybe kill Togekiss because there was some kind of like connection. I think yeah. I sort of like steered away from that because I didn't want then you to feel like you guys couldn't use Medicham for fear of Theo dying. Or I, I, I don't know. I thought it raised questions that maybe wouldn't have been useful. Uh, but that was my initial idea for the kind of the O's chamber was that there was going to be some representation of Norman. You were going to get some answers, as we did eventually from the from the Golden Unknown, but in a more direct manner. And then this and then this fail happened, and I was like. Togekiss kind of is Norman and actually is that not much more interesting to to have an antagonist a present antagonist that is what we know but is also what we found out about them which is that they are Norman and Norman are they and that Theo is them and they've got this opinion they have this point of view which I've already decided is if not controversial at least in opposition to what Theo believes and what Medicham believes so I was like, let's push it. Let's push it to its extremes. And I, I was like, well, what if what if Togekiss was the one behind further schisming? So so believed in this mantra that being separate was the right way to go that they then decided to to kind of enact that on other people. Um, and obviously that's that's a villain thing to do. So <laughs> as soon as we sort of confronted the players with that. It just one thing led to another and I was like, right, here we go. Boss fight. It's Togekiss. Yeah. Um, and I think that on a playing someone with poker powers as well, I sort of felt like there there's a world in which people it, people agree with Togekiss. You know, they're not they're not they're not killing anyone. They're not like necessarily hurting everyone, but mm. having a poker powered character who uh well i certainly felt when i when you said that like the schisms were happening and it's been tokis all along and stuff i was like well Ke this is not okay for kenny mm. as someone who is um uh has been condemned this life like could have been so different if Kiss hadn't acted as they had the whole time i felt almost like kenny's response meant Kiss's redemption was almost impossible and then brandy and theo as sympathetic towards kenny it would have been fascinating actually if one of them had sort of said no i get what you're doing here yeah um, but yeah. we you know we ally ourselves with who we ally with <clears throat> yeah would... i guess the so no sorry, no no Dave, go on, david please, go on please, david. no i was i was gonna add with it as well is that as a player going through that process we've already got like quite a lot of perspectives about the idea of of poker powers in this story like there's there's a lot of different perspectives it's not a binary choice between like poker powers good poker power is bad and there's nothing in the middle and actually as a player going through it particularly with the togekiss schisming stuff and particularly with the stuff at the very end of the arc um you go through it and you wonder are we are we muddying the waters are there so many perspectives going on here but actually that is just all philosophical and moral debates is that there isn't just a binary there are eighteen thousand different perspectives on the same issue and when you start going into it, you're like, oh my god, are we going to make sense? Like, is are all of our characters' motivations and the 25 different ways that we have now portrayed the idea of poker power is going to work? But actually, at the end of the arc, it felt like it was it's the only realistic way to convey the idea that we, as a group of people, are ideologically standing for something. And when we got to the end of it and that question of, like, how far away actually are we from all of the other teams? Like, are we in our own way the other, the other team? Are we mm. the, the non-evil, evil team? at this stage in the game mm. that is actually a way more interesting provocation 
Um, but it couldn't have got there if it wasn't for how murky and soupy the question of poker powers now is as a as a storyline. Mm. Yeah, I think that's good. I think that I hope that tracks. But it's exactly it's exactly what I kind of wanted to bring out for you guys in in the arc. Really, as I said, the 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 theme is or the theme was what what separates the Pokemon and the human and the poker power. What you know where where does the Venn diagram fall? Who is prioritised at what time and why? And I think you're right. I think it is murky, and I think that's good. And I think the fact that the characters' motivations are not necessarily clear right now is very interesting going into the final arc. It's um, also very human. You know, we change our opinions on a daily basis. Yeah. If, yeah. if we're just black and white the whole time, I don't feel that doesn't feel very three dimensional as a portrayal of a character, mm. or of as yeah. from your point, Stu, from a, a villain. You know, it's the most boring villain motivation in the world to be like, I want to rule everything. Mm. Whereas if you portray like, I I am, I'm in the right. You're in the wrong. You are the villain here. Like that's far. Every good villain has a point. Every bad villain, you, you kind of as an audience watch and go, I, I, I can't, I can't understand this at all. Mm, mm. <laughs> um, and that's why I think like, I loved Togekiss as a villain and they, you know, they were just like, I'm just, all I'm doing is trying to liberate. But there are repercussions to actions that they hadn't considered. And that's, that's where they became the bad, the bad guy mm. in our, in our heads. Mm. Um, and similarly with, with Frey, you know, Frey thinks herself as a liberator. It's just that her methods we have deemed I think it's dangerous. Very, honestly, I think it's been very interesting. And I think it's, I mean, I think I, I said a line, didn't I, as Togekiss towards the end about how you and Frey uh, are kind of on very similar paths. And I think that's yeah. that's almost going to be, I, I mean, I don't know what the final arc's going to be. We haven't even started recording it yet. Um, but it feels to me like that's going to be the central thrust of the final arc is what does separate you, if anything, and what what does reaching the goal mean for the um, for the characters we've been following? Um, because I don't think I don't think we know. It's not clear. It's not like the first first person to touch the Triwizard Cup wins. It's like there is there's something going on there. Um, so yes, yeah. that brings us on to. Well, actually, before we do, can I jump in to um, ask David a question? Oh, of can course. I, can I ask can. a question? Uh, can I can I, I do a reflect? Absolutely. Um, because obviously, this reveal there was a, a, a fundamentally different massive this arc sorry there's a fundamentally huge reveal for theo and for adri and for many church members of the poker powering and the schisming and um i just want to ask a bit i kind of want to go into your head a little more david (laughs) as someone who i'm going to assume Stu didn't chat to before um (laughs) of like in the aftermath i kind of want to ask like you know did do you like how do you feel about it and and how did you feel in the moment and how do you feel like it's changed how you portray theo i think the really interesting thing about it so i'll go i'll I'll do the macro and then the micro the macro that i think is really interesting is we did that like massive reveal at the end of that episode and then we had so long in between that (laughs) and the next episode we recorded and i've never had that like i have never been the center of a decision that big that was left like, the, the decision over the book and Dora's life was mid-episode, so there was no chance to stew on it. It was like, you're here. Yeah. This was like, the episode's over, have a think for a month, 
let's come back <laughs> and let's pretend you haven't had any time to think about it because effectively that is improv like we, we have to come in and sort of like be present rather than think about what we've planned but I had so many thoughts in my head about what I wanted to do when we got back and I do I am kind of I don't know I, it, it was it was such a long time to stew on it and think about it and and process it and I think it would have been very easy to have done what in my mind I thought I was going to do which is like I was like, is this is this the start of Dark Theo? Is this the start of something like really serious and really depressing? And actually, almost as soon as we came back, like there was just too much levity. And actually, there was in a, in a good way, and it meant that like it wasn't possible for it to turn into like a full Buffy the Vampire Slayer like subplot of a season, which it could have been. It was just like a thing that had to be sort of like enveloped into a much larger patchwork of a lot of different things. I was very ready to be like, and Theo kills Mrs. W in a fit of rage. And then Theo becomes the like dark monarch of one. Like, it's so easy to go into this place where it goes like full Ava, but it was actually really nice to come back into it. And I think like immediately there was a, there was like a swaddling farting joke. And so obviously from, from there, you just have to, you just have to integrate it back in. And it's so... And it's that's a really interesting thing I think to to do as as the person playing that character and figuring out how that all sits together. Um, on the micro, I loved it. I absolutely loved it because I think doing a doing a bottle episode, even though this was technically the last of any of us to have a bottle episode, you go through it and you're just like, God, this is so self serving. Is anybody getting anything out of this? Are the other actors enjoying this? Will an audience enjoy this? Like, where are we going with this? Blah 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 blah. And obviously, stew like guided it fabulously and so when that reveal happened at the end like in between the sort of like eternal sunshine bit and that it made me feel like there was real merit to what we'd done rather than just going well Theo hasn't had a bottle episode yet which was kind of my guilty internal I don't want to take up right. space yeah. mindset so I loved it I was like oh yes absolutely and I couldn't have planned it I couldn't have predicted it but I really really enjoyed it because it was just a great thing to have to consider and it only, I think it created great stuff afterwards. I think it's, it's still something we haven't really fully processed either. I don't think no, there's so plenty more time. to process with that, especially when it comes to things like Frey and poker powers and who is poker powered and what counts as being a poker powered and not. You know, yeah. Theo ha definitely will have an opinion on that now, I would assume. Um, but yes, I I agree, David. I, I, I know what you mean with the bottle episode. I, I remember going into it and I know I had this, I had this ending prepped i had the the reveal of the the schism um as a kind of coup de gras finale it's like okay well at some point this will be revealed in the episode i didn't know when or whatever but i know what you mean by, by saying like is the rest of this episode going to serve anything How, you know what and i remember it's the same with all the bottle episodes i remember the brandy episode with the dad um with with leo i knew obviously we were going to have this this moment where Brandy was going to meet her dad and, and speak to her dad and that was going to be emotion fulfilling but everything else around it I was like is it going to justify it is this going to be enough thankfully it did because everyone is very talented and funny and we were able to, we were able to make you know scenes out of out of mustache growing competitions and and what have you and I think the same happened again in this episode but for me the real surprise was the Adri stuff mm. Uh, which was not yeah. prepped in any way. I obviously Adri was going to be part of it as a as a person who Theo had a relationship with in the church and one that we knew at one point was friendly. So I thought, yeah, definitely it'd be interesting to have Adri there as a character um, 
on friendlier terms in friendlier days but what developed in the episode this idea this this storyline that we kind of both of us unprepped eked out about the the dissertation and the, the very thing that had fractured their friendship about this dissertation that that adri had supposedly stolen it but we find out in the stolen memories that theo had kind of given their permission was a real kind of like oh that's a real tragic beat on their relationship yeah, yeah. i go on david sorry go i i would have been very interested because i think adri the adri theo characters are, are are very easy to read for a lot of the show like it's like they're two intelligent rivals who went to school together and their friendship ended because they're both incredibly hard to read yeah, like it's yeah. it's like it's a it's a tale as old as time song as old as rhyme and I would be very, and like, I'm so glad we did everything with Adri in this arc because it made Adri so much more interesting as a character. Yeah. I would be fascinated how, because we'd already done the big anti-hero Adri murders Dramoxis moment. <laughs> we had. If we had not, if we'd not done all of this like complex soul searching for Adri in this arc in which Theo realizes that actually there is another force at play that has sent these two people on these incredibly wayward paths that otherwise could have been real meaningful friendship or love if we hadn't done any of that i wonder if those two things would have all been able to coalesce i don't think so they did at the end would we have been able to forgive adri i mean do we forgive adri that's a question because i don't know i don't know how to honestly that was my biggest i loved the kiss and i think the kiss was fully justified um i look back even now i look back at um the as you say the the Frey episode in which Adri features heavily, Adri still carrying a photo of Theo and Adri together as a kind of memento. Um, the voice note, Theo's voice note, the memories, all that stuff. It, I mean, it felt utterly natural. The fact that Ali and, and Tom reacted as they did when it happened, I feel, I don't know, I can't speak for the audience, but it felt like, <laughs> yes, this is a, a natural conclusion to all the things that have happened in this arc. Um, but my biggest fear coming out of that was not the kiss itself, but was playing Adri post that moment and and post that kind of like, God, how how does Adri wrangle with themselves now, having done what they've done in pursuit of what... And also the, 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 the thing they were in pursuit of gets revealed to them with the Jay Silver memory and is yeah. an utter letdown. So unfulfilling. So unfulfilling and tragic. Yeah. How do they then navigate from that point and i mean you actually really sort of helped me you gave me a lifeline um ali with with kenny's anger and this murderous intent which adri was able to sort of be like hey i've i have walked that dark path i Mm. I am i'm a living example of it and it's it's mucked me up in a big way and that was kind of what i clung to was like (laughs) rather than playing the the Adri Thea relationship, allowing that to, to to sort of take a back seat post kiss, which felt right anyway, um, and to instead focus on, hey, I've had these experiences, they've really messed with me. How can I kind of use that positively with these people going forward? Um, but even saying that, I don't know, I don't know what. I don't know where Adri is for this for this final arc. And yeah, and I don't. I still don't know if Kenny and Brandy have have quite right. or Theo have quite actually right. properly yeah. f- no forgiven mm. or trust. Well, trust and forgiveness are two t- kind of different things. Absolutely. I, I would argue maybe they 
they recognize the uh the self-hatred and mm. the sort of like um the fact that adri doesn't forgive themselves in in themselves in many ways mm. you know that their actions that they've all done things in the past they're not proud of um but would they i don't know do they actually think adri's done the right thing I'm not sure no theo's always theo struggled never forgave mr no uh who's it canaan Oh, for in, in the in the train for their actions and oh, so yeah. you know can i say two things about the bottle episode please first first of all uh audience we thought <laughs> the three of us who answered you thought we'd absolutely nailed what was going on in that episode oh, and you? we couldn't have been more wrong what did you think because <laughs> there was a point that's tom i think who edited the episode cut out where there was a like there were these notes that were being handed around oh yeah the post-it notes yeah the yeah. post-it notes and there was a bit where we were like this isn't real. This is a lie. You're being lied to. Um, in that sort of Togekiss, what Togekiss was showing Theo was a fiction. And then afterwards, um, me and Tom chatted and we were like, wow, we really, really screwed the pooch on that one, didn't we? No, that's cool. That's a, that's a cool alter. The, the post-its, I actually realised, were meant to be a reference to Adri's memos. Which I remember did oh, didn't Adri have a memo thing? They did. They did have a memo They were swimming yeah. through memos. That was meant to be... Yeah. A reference to that, really. Um, also, if much you guys less complex. And this, the second thing about the bottle episodes, guys, if you want to have a nice, relaxed bottle episode like like mine, don't plan them on being bottle episodes to begin with, baby. <laughs> just roll. Just just <gasps> take your time on each scene oh, and roll with the dice, mate, mate. Honestly, your bottle episode and the fact that somehow Kenny going back in time is still canon. <laughs> it, it troubles me, Ali. Troubles me every day. <laughs> we'll yeah. make it work. We'll make it yeah, work. Yeah, we'll, we'll sort it out. Um, Let's yes. go for another listener question. Okay, another listener question. Um, yes. Kenny, this is from uh, this is from Brother Figgles again. Uh, the early concept of Kenny's Pokemon absorption, when was that created? Uh, and does it tie into Kenny's anger? Um. So, the... Sorry, can you hear a dog bark in the I background? Can. Hello, dog. Hello, dog. Hello, Wooster. That's 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 Ali's poker power. I have a rock rough poker power. Um, <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, well, again, a bit like Stu. Li- okay, listeners. Stu loves to just chuck stuff at us mid improv yeah. and see how we roll with it. Sometimes he'll ask us. Sometimes we'll stop recording. We'll not stop recording. We'll stop improvising. We're like, right, can we chat about this? Um, but we, this Pokemon absorption, which we did with Cresselia, yes. which we've, I think we did with the tones i want to say yeah 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 and we mm. did with when we met hillary for the first time and like we have done that a few times but we didn't do that with this <laughs> for the first you... what in the crew in that jail scene yes we did no we i did just, no i'm just picturing your relationship we got like, we've got to nail hillary about right so i'm thinking like a mousy voice is that good or is that more, more crocodilian i don't know tom can you give me some <laughs> yeah um but this 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 pokemon absorption thing was was thrown at me um and i'm glad it was because i don't have an answer for it we we we'd intentionally kind of left it you know vague well, when we decided you'd said, on power. you'd said hadn't you uh kenny at the end of baneful bunker you were like there are still some questions about what's going yeah. on inside my head and why pete and tuki yeah. are there and everything and i was like okay yeah bank that bank that we're gonna have we'll yeah. come back to that at some point exactly and um how I, I i feel very happy about it i'm very glad that in the last sort of two arcs in season four we've had some answers with kenny and because i didn't have them to begin with and i intentionally left it that way um knowing who i was improving with and knowing the sort of nature of how it works i think i think it's dangerous to go into episodes with like 
this is the definite intention thing yeah, yeah. because yeah. one roll of a dice screws everything and then yeah. it feels like you're cramming round pegs into round pegs into square holes and no the other way around <laughs> you know what i mean don't, <laughs> don't cram any eggs into holes mate they'll just break um so i'm yeah i'm i'm happy with that. what was the second half of the question um that was about can, i, I, think, it's more, I think it's more about like rather than that specifically related is it like more about kenny's anger in general and mm. like discuss kenny's anger kenny's discuss. anger yeah well i sort of feel like it's it's been bubbling away for 80 odd episodes and he's not really ever properly been angry and now he's around people that he feels like he can safely be angry around um and he's understanding more about himself and his inner psyche and that like it's it's okay to not be perfect all the time and sometimes we make irrational decisions and as long as we as long as we don't hurt people and we always try to to steer right like kenny has seen anger fuel brandy you know and and theo as well to a slightly more controlled degree um to with with incredible results um it's something that like not being able to kind of control that anger is something that i think will continue into season four um he says having not started season four and not really knowing where we're gonna go and um do you mean you mean the last the last season four part two sorry yes. no yeah yeah arc three season four <laughs> arc as yet unnamed 15, part six <laughs> journal four yeah i i think i was waiting i was waiting for a catalyst i was waiting for some reason throughout all of destiny bond for like kenny to stand up and be like this i'm so angry about this and he didn't in front of barry when he easily could have he he didn't in front of his family when maybe they could have he didn't in front of team nautilus when he could have in fact he was the one that was like let's show mercy let's show understanding let's show compassion let's show empathy and it it just got a bit like everyone has their limit um because it's sort of like the, the kenny's story he's he was the youngest of the trio it's sort of a coming of age you know world awakening storyline and we all go through different stages and he's in his he's in his moody teenager stage <laughs> it just might last a week <laughs> um, oh, but it's something i definitely want to explore more in the next arc okay Okay. Yeah, I don't think there's anything more terrifying than a person who's never done the work on that part of their personality, finding that part of their personality. Like, to yeah. Theo and Brandy's credit, we have always both been very aware of the fact we have a capacity to anger. And I don't think there's anything more terrifying than somebody who's never thought they have the capacity for anger becoming angry, because they haven't thought about what the parameters of that are. Mm -hmm. And I think that's always a... That's when that's when real fireworks can happen. So I'm very intrigued to see what occurs next. Well, me too, especially because I think I said this post episode one day. I almost feel like the roles within the trio have all flipped around. You know, we mm. started off like Brandy's always been the angry one, um, Kenny has always been the empathetic one, and Thea has always been the sort of smart, rational, calculating one. And then at the end of season three, suddenly Kenny's the angry one, Theo is the empathetic one, and Brandy is the one trying to think tactically and and trying to keep on top of everything mm. so we're yeah. all in very different places and that's going to be so fascinating to see how our group dynamic shifts with us all in the wrong place yeah <laughs> basically yeah yeah no it is very interesting um okay uh question from ryoshin um 
about our Pokemon um, all being very individual, having ideals and thoughts and ambitions of their own. Um, obviously, we don't know what's going to happen in the final arc, but do you see, do you foresee all your characters sticking with their Pokemon? Or do you see any of your Pokemon sort of pursuing their own things in a in a sort of postscript? Assuming they are still alive. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. Um, we sacrifice our Pokemon. Well, yes. Rock. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, t- I'll reframe it. Who, who do you think, who do you think of, of your Pokemon is most likely to be with you forever? And who do you think is most likely to disappear to follow their own pursuits? I'm very, I'm very torn on Bowtie because they are intrinsically linked to Kenny's poker powers in that they are Kenny's crutch. They are their, you know, their conduit. But also... Kenny seems less reliant on them now. In the, I mean, I don't think Bowtie was used at all in Destiny no, Bond. No, interesting. Um, and like Hoops became a lot more used. Um, and like Kenny's had sort of breakthroughs with Fedora. And um, so Bowtie, I, I could imagine a world in which. I, I don't know if I'm not sure what happened. Kenny's just powers. stopped using deodorant, and both have picked up on this. Yeah, like, it just stinks. Oh, it stinks. <laughs> oh, did I? God, I never clogged that. Oh, oh, am I with, am I with you, thick and thick, Kenny? Oh well, I mean, <laughs> are you going to start? You know. Yeah, but I could I could foresee a world, especially actually we I think it was way way back in foul play where we said like Margot and Bowtie had a falling out, and Bowtie needs to resolve some issues with her. So I could almost I can imagine a world feels, where Bowtie yeah, 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 that feels goes off goes like Kenny and Bowtie sort of acknowledge. You helped me get to where I need to get to. Peace out. Like, yeah. all the best. I need to go care. find that naked decidui and yeah. <laughs> nurse him back exactly. to the health somewhere. Exactly. Um, that's fair. That's fair. David? I I think that we're not... I don't think Theo's losing Medicham or Leveny at this stage. I think it's all a little too... It's a little too churchy. It's a little too cosy. Hillary and, Hillary and Medicham aren't going anywhere. I, I think that inevitably... Bro Barracle and Theo will part ways at some no. point. I I, so I think it's I think it's inevitable that that eventually Bro Barracle will have to go compete in pro volleyball tournaments the way that they're meant to. Yeah. And yeah. and you know, it, I think there'll always be a love there, but I think that eventually that'll happen. It's a track moment. It's it's a beautiful it, thing. Truly, truly. Yeah. Gabriella and Troy. Uh, <laughs> they had their I, summer I, camp and they've gone back to they've gone back to term. I also think that Kabuto and or Kabutops manifesting um, when that eventually happens. I, we I think are so world... desperate, David. Me for Saladin, so you for Kabuto. So desperate. <laughs> I say, just I give him an Everstone and be done with it. <laughs> Take the defense boost and say, do you know what? This is fine. I think there's a world in which Kabuto leaves. I think there's a world in which Kabuto and or Kabutops leaves. But I would like to keep. I'd like to keep them around. But I can see a world in which, you know, they are. For people who have not listened to the Continental Crush, well, special. go go listen to Continental Crush yeah, for the full yeah. cabbage the Kabuto backstory. If you want, if you yeah. want absolute motivation for Kabuto, <laughs> also a lot of poop jokes, then go listen <laughs> to Continental Crush. Um, yes. I will say, I think I think Mustache is definitely going nowhere for Kenny. Kenny, Kenny and Mustache are two peas in a pod. That's fair. That's fair. Um, what about Brandy, Stu? Why don't you hit? Why don't you hit Brandy up? Oh, oh no, none of them want to stay with her. <laughs> 
<laughs> she was like, she was abusing them about three episodes she ago. She really was. No, no. Snorleone is, is the one that's most intriguing. Well, actually, Ryoshin. Oh, he's off. Ryoshin he's off. says, Ryoshin <laughs> uses an example. If Brandy gets her dad back to normal or, or does whatever she's going to do, Snorleone might find it difficult to run his mafia from Surfloat Town. <laughs> so, yeah, that's very good point. That's fair. That's yeah. fair. How, how are you going to continue running the criminal? Lab? I think, as you say, talking about subplots that need to happen, Snorleone needs to confront the odd father. Oh like, my god, that, that is, is so good. I can't believe there's two crime families and they haven't yeah, had a war both yet. run by adorable po- baby Pokemon. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, I think I think Brandy will try to get rid of Scaroopy, but they will. She will open her door every morning and see a curled up Drapey on, on, on the porch. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. me in the forest again. <laughs> uh, Lightfire fifty three asks, "Who has been your favourite NPC uh, who initially appeared as if they were going to be a major player?" Uh, but kind of ended up finding their own story slash what they're really saying is fading into the background. Um, Seto Kappa, for example. I mean, ooh, let's say let's say say less about Seto Kappa. Ooh, say uh, less about Seto Kappa. But um, yes, I mean, interesting question. Do we have NPCs that we thought were going to be major players that kind of haven't really manifested in that way? Who can we? Gurdy. I... Gurdy was going to be huge. Yeah. <laughs> is this listener? <laughs> is this listener NPCs or is this our oh, own actually, NPCs? Do you know what? unspecified it just says NPC but just maybe NPCs. well actually a follow up from Tidal Torrent says um, what about lis- listener NPCs who you wish had been more relevant to the plot so maybe you can right you can well I can answer one that either. one because I, I I thought Dramoxis would be bigger than they were was Dramoxis because a listener NPC I think Dramoxis was you're a listener right. NPC I think you're right I think oh my gosh listening back now I can't believe we killed them I can't believe I did that. Right? They were, head, they were head of a team of dragon riders. You're right. You're right. Like, they were a listener That was NPC. such a oh. cool oh potential gosh. person ally for us to... Uh, and well, like, then they the were relevant. They, they were very they, relevant. They were super relevant. And like they were in the they were on the Elite Four, or mm. the Elite Three as they now mm. were. Like, mm. I thought, you know, we had a sort of antagonist character in, in Tyler and in Margot, and then I was like, maybe we'll get one on side and blah, 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 blah. But yeah, instead, Adrian Frey had their way. <laughs> I know, I know the elite, the elite three. What a what a lose from them. What a big yeah. L. Yeah. In terms of NPCs, I thought would be a bigger deal. Um, well, I mean, Shvan is definitely in my. The <sighs> oh. Oh, absolutely. Shvan yet. Hundred percent the right call, Stu, to make someone that we actually had a relationship with the proper villain. But I think they... I, just, I just wanted to do a dirty northern accent. <laughs> and, uh, that was the only reason Van existed. Um. Yeah, no, obviously I thought he was going to be, you know, Mr. Mr. Helsing, but made way more sense for Barry to be. And I, I actually really enjoyed that the way, the way that Varnex did was to just up the stakes of Barry massively. Yeah. So I'm I'm happy Varnex existed. I think they served their purpose. Um, I think, I think Vivi, I actually genuinely thought Vivi uh, was going to be, for a little bit, was going to be bigger. Oh, yeah. Because you and Tom are no, so no, no. obsessed with Vivi. It's not that this, I'm obsessed with I'll tell with you Vivi. this right now. I haven't spoken to David about this. David and I forget she exists yeah, every of time we do, end because the call. she is irrelevant. <laughs> but I genuinely thought when we had that that scene in the payback arc where Tyler was like, "We're the mother mucking Pokemon League," and Vivi was revealed to be a spy who was like with Phillips, and I was like, "Oh my god, intrigue! What's going to happen here? There's going to be some infiltration. Tyler's going to get involved." Yeah, nah, nah, it didn't didn't pan out. Did not pan yeah. out that way. Um, no. David, do you have any potential NPCs that you thought, oh, they're intriguing? Oh, wait, no, they're not. <laughs> Listen, lads, I think we all know that I want Squash Mallet Supremacy. Oh, um, I'm, yeah. I'm committed to Squash having a bigger role. Squash does not have the role I hope for, but we we move. We move. 
squash we did move. again patreon plug squash did get a 10 minute one shot sort of where sort she of. was put into the background of her own <laughs> yes. into her own 10 minute one shot i think that's just the nature of squash ballet she doesn't want the spotlight um <laughs> uh, i will say chief. actually this is a ten- this so so sorry no, so no, no. sorry please carry on my my tangent on this is that I am thrilled that the special defenders have all ended up being big characters. Like yeah. I was really I was really worried after we sort of all splintered off after payback that they wouldn't all become like fully fledged, fully formed members of the cast. And I'm thrilled that we haven't lost any of them. And they've actually oh, all become like really love, crucial members love of the that cast. The special defenders are kind of still a thing. Like that was such a silly concept when I first did it. Um, and it felt really stupid that I like, just arbitrarily picked these people from the Frenzy Plant arc, and I was like, you're not the special defenders. Here you go. Here's your badges. Congratulations, Hannah. You literally did nothing. <laughs> but now felt really you, dumb. child, will felt save really the dumb world. At the time. But the fact that we've managed to get them all back and relevant is... Uh, yeah, hey, it's really well, fun. Candy knows how to build. Candy is the Nick Fury of Formula. Oh, they know how to I build know. And she's quit. She quit. Yeah, Nick Candy's Fury out. Quit. <laughs> um, okay. <Quit> theory. Uh, <laughs> um, CM22 asks uh, Brandy's one gym badge Does she get a boost from that gym badge And <laughs> and does the boost Actually apply to Theo's Pokemon Since they're the ones who won that badge Oh my god that would have been perfect <laughs> What a sick burn from CM22 if, if you had done that Stu I would have given you so many GM points oh. If you'd been like So actually you now get uh, a plus one on all of your roles But actually it's pokemon specific so it's only oh, so it's, to be honest barbarical. cm22 i know why you wrote that question and it was to dunk on brandy and I, i'm glad you did it i'm also glad you did it while tom isn't here so we acknowledge it we've heard it and we all agree yeah 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 um any other uh, uh tentacle in chief 6.9 slash beth asks um Stu, how much fun did you have finally going to use tokyo against the gang a lot a lot of fun it was very enjoyable to it, finally, it, finally yeah. get a bit of Togekiss payback. Because honestly, I mean, look, we joke about it, but that Togekiss was unbeatable. And I genuinely <laughs> think if I'd left it in David's employ, it would have it would have destroyed Frey. And then would like I just would not be able to do it. Like I would come at I in the in the rules of our game, Frey would come at Theo with like, you know, flaming sword of justice, and Theo would be like, nah, Togekiss counters, rolls a plus three. And I'm, I'm done. That's the end of it. So glad Tokikis is gone. Um, I say that. I mean, you should just maybe have some steel trainers at some point in this, uh, <laughs> yeah, in this world. Steel or poison, just, mate. You're missing a trick. With some axes, maybe. Just some steel implements that they can throw at Tokikis. It doesn't matter. Tokikis is gone. Really gone. Um, I am distraught. I'm distraught. I remain distraught. Uh, how do we feel? This is a question from me to you guys. How do you two feel? I mean, I think it's actually more interesting that I do ask you two because Brandy was kind of in two minds about the very, very ending of the arc and Togekiss's final fate. Because um, we kind of had a, uh, a bit of a false ending uh, where Togekiss was defeated and sucked into Kenny's mind palace. Um, and then in the final episode, we actually got the true ending. Uh, and I just wonder how you feel about that and how you feel about the way it ended for Togekiss. And... Um, Every, every moment post the end of the fight really um i felt very uh I, I, as an improver i was second guessing myself a lot mm. because i was so kind of i was quite unsure how to play it 
from Kenny. Like the fact that like, obviously we had the kind of fake scene beforehand Mm. um, where, you know, Kenny was confronted with, for, for many arcs now, like Kenny's constantly been questioned about his choices from the people around him. Like you shouldn't have done that. You did no right to make that decision for like blah, 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 blah. And then he had heard it from especially two of the people that he cares about most in the world. Um, and then and then on top of that, I had the layer of, well, if Togekiss remains, I can't trust anything that happens in any scene. Um, and also I'm grappling with everything else on top of it. So in the end, I sort of fell in line with, no, you have, Ali, you have to believe that this, that Kenny believes this is the right thing to do. Just from a, from a practical level, like you're not even thinking about the emotion here or the empathy which is so so difficult for Kenny to do he doesn't he was like you can't you can't care about this Pokemon's feelings because you Kenny will be unable to almost work in this current situation so yeah I I was constantly second guessing myself um and in the end I just had to lean more into which which I think comes out in the first episode of the next arc or in the kind of in-between episode. Oh, yeah. No, I, I, do you know what? I totally forgot that no one has heard that episode. And no one's like, heard that episode. I'm glad I didn't yeah. say something so we, we, I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, well, we do touch upon that a little bit in the episode afterwards. Yeah, we do, we do. As, yeah. as a trio. So I, don't, I, I won't reveal too much, but how Kenny behaves in that episode solely came from the improv choices that were made mm. beforehand. David? Yeah, um, I think it's... It's a difficult one because you, I think that the theme of mercy has been such a like vitally important part of the story of Critical Ditto, and you kind of, you, I think I was worried the whole way through. To what degree does like playing with the idea of mercy not being the right option make our characters look human and to what degree does it go back on a lot of the work we've done over the plotline so far Mm. that up until that point there had never really been an incident in which Mercy was the wrong choice Um, I guess Andros was kind of like the pilot of that as a Mm. whole and like we've kind of toyed with this idea but I think it was very there was part of it which was A storytelling wise for all the reasons you said Ali and for a lot of other reasons including the fact that it, it was quite cathartic to end that boss in a you don't just become a joke character in Ali's headway <laughs> um it did it did have to happen and also I feel like Stu and I mean this entirely as an observation created a situation in which our hands truly were tied like there was truly no way that we could leave Togekiss alive by the end of that episode like there was there was just no way that we could do it like Togekiss didn't want to be there. Togekiss was ruining all of our lives. Togekiss needed to... Ha- there needed to be some wrapping of it. Um, and it was trying to figure out if that was still character justified to want to agree with that plan. And I feel like it was, but you don't want to take away years of Theo development, which has been like learning mercy in the face of like unending anger. But I think it's the larger question of like in conflict, at what point does uh, need replace like personal moral which i think is kind of what we've been confronting more and more in season four anyway yeah it's big it's big big stuff um i think i think we're coming to an end here but i wanted to ask um 
it's always the surprises that, that get us and get me the most excited. What was the thing that surprised you the most in the Destiny Bond arc? Um, whether that's a character thing or a narrative thing. What caught you sort of most off guard? Oh, gosh. Loads. Um, I mean, I know. There were a lot of surprises, weren't there? A lot there of were loads of twists. Because, like... Um, I think it was a Thea reveal about the yeah. powers and the schisms. Yeah. Like, because I, because I, I, I foresaw a world in which Togekiss, well, <laughs> the Togekiss being a villain thing at least was foreshadowed by like <laughs> half an hour, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> when, yeah. When as soon as Togekiss left, you were just suddenly like, uh oh. Whereas the Theo thing was just it just completely took us all for six. Mm-hmm. And 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 then it suddenly like we were like, oh wait, but but it kinda does make a, make sense as well. So yeah, that was that was the biggest thing for me. Mm. On a on a personal choice, um uh I think probably uh, mm, I guess I guess the anger thing for Kenny. I didn't yeah. I didn't expect him to go just playing necessarily that, that way, yeah. but just playing playing him in a very different way to how I played him for eighty episodes. <laughs> yeah, I mean I don't feel my answers are that different. I feel like the surprise around I think the surprise around Adri was even more surprising for me than the surprise around the schism. Like the surprise about what that yeah. dynamic was yeah. and getting those answers was something I didn't expect. I didn't expect there to be more depth there than there was so I think that for me was the biggest thing and it threw the most spanners into the most works nice. for me as a as a performer um, but I also think similarly to Ali like I think I think some of the emotions that Theo went down in this arc surprised me and I didn't expect to go to the places that I did and I think that that's both the most interesting and exciting thing as an actor and also it's the thing you really can't prepare for mm. is how you how you in the moment process your character responding to the stimuli that you get yeah i would also shout out to tom surprising me with the prom when i was fully expecting a awesome battle uh, <laughs> because, oh yeah yeah that surprised all of us i was i was so psyched kenny has hardly had any massive battles and then i was like right here we go Golduck, a big bad Whoa, stretch my muscles oh no wait it's a dance off in it's, a prom yeah great yeah, it was great. it was surprising it was but it was so tom and it was, it was so, so tom. tom but it was good but it, it was, was good. good. It was so much better than a battle. And it, it was, was a real lovely character moment for both you and, like, to have that moment between Kenny and Brandy was so nice as well. Because just Finally. as a pair, <laughs> you haven't had that, hu- you know, you haven't had a moment like that. Nope. Um, I agree. I agree with all those. I think, yeah, the definitely the Adri, the Adri situation is probably the Which most Which of our s- choices sharing. surprised you the most, Duke? Um, gosh. Which, um, was it our choice in favourite curries? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I was not prepared for that. Um, the, the the platters were completely wrong. Way too spicy. So I had to really rethink that. The scene dressing was totally off. Um, now, what surprised me the most? Um, oh, gosh, everything everything you do. 
I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm always yeah. wrong-footed See, by everything. Listeners, you think Stu's the evil one. We chuck him so many curveballs oh, every episode. He, is, he chucks yeah. us maybe one an arc, and yeah. we're like, you're so cruel. I think, yeah, the the, the prom, definitely wrong-footed me. Yeah. Uh, that only that only unlocked for me when I was I was able to ask Brandy, how do you feel about your prom? And then I felt like I wrestled back some control, and I was like, okay, now I can I understand what the point of this scene is. Because <laughs> um, before that, I did, and I was like, right, oh, yeah. okay, let's make this about Brandy's prom. Um, well, it was. Do you know what was really actually genuinely nice about that was? I mean, we did talk about sort of joke about it earlier, but it did very much feel like it was a, a Theo heavy arc up until that point. Yeah, and that gave you guys yeah. something to play, which was and, nice. And that's not that's not a. And I'm not criticizing anyone for that. Like that was inevitable. As soon as we were said, let's go to the church. Yeah, like, yeah. of course we were going to. And you know going to being in Surfloat town and being on the train and like there's been a lot of brandy and kenny led mm. arcs where mm. it, certainly a lot of the team helsing stuff felt particularly kenny heavy and so i had it was lovely and awesome and to see sort of theo sort of lead the way mm. um but that moment did kind of i was like right we have we have some we have some meat here yeah i think um the other surprising thing for me is that uh, Slow King didn't come up. No, I thought mm. they would. And I, so did I. I was so prepped for, and I even have, I still have thoughts about what, what is, what, what's going on with Slow King, but didn't come up, wasn't relevant at the time. And actually maybe better for that because we didn't delve into the supernatural so much. I mean, we did, obviously we did. <laughs> uh, it's an, it's an anime basically, but we, we sort of, we stuck with the more, the more human problems of the church. I say human meaning Pokemon and human. Uh, gosh, what am I kind of trying to say? The, the creatures of the ground. The cre- <laughs> <laughs> I love how you think that that was plane, the, that's the answer. This plane that's of really existence. We stuck sense. with this plane of existence for <laughs> our issues in the conclave, and I think that was a, a better a better use of focus. But I'm sure uh, by holding Sloking back, uh, there will be an appropriate time in our final art where something something goes down because that's that's a big one. That's it needs a big to happen. One. And again, um, it's another thing that was possibly teased at in the episode that we were mm, referring to earlier. Mm, mm, absolutely. The King's Rock and um, King's Roll. Yeah. Well, I think I think let's wrap it there, guys, because that's um it's you know, listen, it was a big art. We could talk about it for hours. We could go yeah. through mm. each individual episode and be like, What what happened in the, what the what the heck? What the, the Dales? What what? <laughs> the Dales. Isn't it mad the to think, we, didn't, what? We, didn't, we didn't we didn't even talk about the fact that Brandy has a soul jar. Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh man, the Destiny Bond Lantern. Yeah, again. Well, I think that's the only thing, isn't it? Is it's basically just everything from this point now is leading us into the into the end game, and yeah, yeah. Um, you know where the characters are at and what their various motivations are. I think it's good. In the next two episodes or so, we will clarify that and sort of set basically set our chessboard up, put all the pieces where they are, and then we shall let it go. Let it go. Let let Deep Blue play the game that is our final arc. I'm getting lost in the metaphor here. Um, <laughs> but yes, I think it's probably yeah. good as well for us to announce now that we are having a small break. Um, mm. We are we're splitting our final season, a la Attack on Titan. It's it's final season part one of two. So the final final season. Um, we don't know how long the, the the sort of final arc will be because we haven't recorded it yet. Um, but we wanted to give ourselves some time and some space to prepare for it and um, record it so that we're not kind of 
mad dashing and rushing and trying to edit it as we go uh, give ourselves a bit of a, a bit of a bank of time um, which ties back to our original answer about what we're going to do next um, so we're, we're treating treating this final arc with with respect and care uh, and we're going to have a little a little break we don't know exactly how long that's going to be right now we will be announcing that on our social channels and probably put a little message out on our our main feed but this will be the last episode on the um on the main feed for a couple of months at least uh so yes if you're looking if you're desperate for more content more critical ditto content then do, do join our patreon if you haven't already uh come and listen yeah, to our we various will, we will endeavor to release plenty yes of because that's there. the th the great thing about the patreon is that we can do things where we're not all available so you know if just yeah. two of us Imagine, um, imagine releasing an episode on the main feed where it's just three out of the four of us. Imagine, I mean, imagine <laughs> we would never do such a thing. Oh my word! Um, yeah. Yes, but yeah. And now, Tom, your thoughts on all the questions that we asked? Great, thanks, man. Yeah, it was all right. <laughs> um, yeah, so keep keep an eye on the Patreon for more bonus content. But there's actually a lot up there already. If you haven't if you haven't joined, that that will keep you going. Um, and. Yes, the most recent thing that went up was uh, the Pokemon first movie watch through, which I sadly wasn't part of, but you three were. Um, oh, it was a great time. <laughs> just, awesome. just, just watch, so much fun. Go, go watch Pokemon the first movie with the lads and their their strange commentary. It's good fun. It's good, good, good fun. <laughs> um, so yes, keep an eye out on our socials and our feed to get more information about when when the final 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 arc starts releasing. Uh, but until then, uh, I guess we shall. We shall bid you farewell. A fond yeah. farewell. From a pleasure as ever, lads. David uh, and Ali. And um, what's yeah? What's the outro, Ali? Um, see you soon. And soon you'll see. <laughs> David. I I I I'm ah, ah God, sorry, my brain has just completely died at the last. That is the, the outro. Level. That is exactly see how you it soon, always soon you'll ends. see. Uh, uh, oh, I, my brain is my just, brain has died. just died. Good night, everyone.